It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott McCain. Scott, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. David, it, it is a privilege to be with you and a pleasure. I, I, I follow you and I, I follow what you're doing here. And it's, it's an honor to be asked to be a part of this. I'm really excited. Thank you. Well, we're going to start with Scott. Are you ready for the greatest podcast ride of your life? <laughs> You've heard the Taxi Terry story, haven't you? Oh, Might my God. Once or twice. <laughs> That's so great. You know, the funny thing is, I was I was going to speak in your city. I'm at baggage claim in the Melbourne airport. And a guy came up to me and pointed at me and he said, I don't know your name, but you tell the taxi Terry story. And that happened to me at baggage claim in Melbourne, Australia. And I was I was blown away. It, it teaches uh, it teaches the power of a story. Right. I mean, we all have our stories and it teaches the power of a story. So, well, I want, for- I want to hear the story, Scott. But before we do really quickly, for people that don't know Scott McCain, get your head out of the book that you are reading and pay attention to this because Scott McCain is part of the Speaker Roundtable, which is basically like the Illuminati of speakers. He's a <laughs> Hall of Fame sales and marketing speaker with people like uh, Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie and, and Seth Godin. Uh, he's also part of the Professional Speakers uh, Hall of Fame as well. Like this man is an extraordinary communicator and he comes from the this wonderful background with uh as a DJ of 1010W CSA. <laughs> How did you life. figure that out? <laughs> 1010 CSI, good afternoon. Oh my gosh, that's a good man, I, I hear that introduction. It sounds like I'm I'm peaked. It's it's all over. It's downhill from here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> it's, you're very kind. I really appreciate it, Levin. Thank you. Well, it's uh, it's an honor and a thrill to have you on here. And, and I don't know that I've actually had an opportunity to meet anyone that's got a street named after them. <laughs> Scott McCain Way. Can you tell you us know, about, about that, Scott? Well, I'm from a very, very small town uh, in southern Indiana. Um, and, and they were kind enough to uh, the city... Uh, town council passed uh, to make the main drag through town. Uh, they voted to make it Scott McCain way. And uh, I've, I've got a buddy that joked that really I ought to go there back home and and buy a little house on that street so that if I ever got stopped for speeding, you know, it'd be uh, writing me a ticket for Scott McCain speeding on Scott McCain way. Would they, would they really write you the ticket if you, if you did that? But uh, uh, it's, you know, it, it's, I'm just so humbled and honored that the folks in my hometown value, you know, what I do and what I did. And, and I get back there all the time. I mean, my family's still back there in, uh, in Indiana, uh, in the United States. 
So uh, I appreciate you mentioning that. It, it is really something to have your uh, your folks in your hometown appreciate what you do. Well, it's uh, I suppose it's a testament to the work that you've done. And, you know, the thing that I neglected to mention as well, that you're a best-selling author of at least three books that I'm aware of. Um, the, the Create Distinction is the book that I've had an opportunity to read. I haven't had a, ah. a good go through the rest of them. I will because I loved, I loved it. And you know what it made me do, Scott? It made me think about how I was going to enter this podcast and I wanted to create distinction with the way that you and I awesome. connected. So I hope uh, well, you certainly happens. have. You certainly have. Absolutely. So let's talk about Taxi Terry because people are like, what? Yeah. hey, tell us about Taxi Terry. <laughs> Well, I, I was giving a speech in Jacksonville, Florida, and the flight's late, and I'm tired. You know, we've all been there, and you drag your old beat-up suitcase, old tired body through the airport. Now I, I get in a, a queue to, to get a taxi cab to take me to the hotel, and the line's long, and I'm tired, and I finally work my way up to the front. And, and you can imagine what I hear from other cab drivers and other passengers. You know, it's where you're going, how many in your party, cash or credit, you know, those kinds of things. And I Finally, I'm the next guy, right? I'm the front of the line in front of the queue. And, and this cab driver pulls up and jumps out of his cab and he points at me in the front of the line and shouts, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? <laughs> <laughs> and I start looking over my shoulder. You know, I know what this guy's nuts. You know? And uh, I said, yeah, I guess so. He says, get in. Uh, well, now I'm afraid, right? So he, uh, he runs over and he grabs my bag and he puts it in the boot or the trunk, as we call it in the States. And, and uh, he jumps in the driver's seat and spins around to me in the back and he sticks out his hand. And he says, Mr. McCain. And I'm like, yeah, but how'd you know my name? He said, saw it on your luggage, figured I might as well use it. He said, I'm Taxi Terry. And I'm thinking, why did I get stuck with a motivational cab driver? <laughs> so. We take off. Where are we heading, Mr. McCain? And, and I said, well, the, the, the Marriott downtown. Fantastic, sir. Let's check out the weather. Now, it's after midnight. My flight's late. I got to get up early. I'm tired. I just want to get to the hotel. I don't care if there is weather at this point. But he touches his dash and it lights up. He's got an iPhone and a very elaborate bracket. It's set to Jacksonville weather on, on weather.com. I, I know I could have looked it up on my own phone, but isn't it cool he thought to provide something special to a customer. And, and then he said, man, I hope you're a golfer, Mr. McCain. You're going to have two awesome days in Jacksonville. Why are you here? I said, well, IBM's brought me in to give a speech about customer service. And the guy literally, customer service. I'm so into that. And he said, do you mind if I record our conversation? And he reaches up and he touches a button on the, the visor uh, of, of, of the driver's side. And, and I'm like, who are you really? You know, I, 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 there, there was a show that's on here in the States. I, I, I don't know where else in the world it's been on, but it was called Taxi Cab Confessions. And it was like hidden camera. You know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a taxi cab confession. And he, I said, why are you so set up to record these conversations? And he said, well, you see, Mr. McKinney, if Dr. Smith gets in, he's a local customer. And he mentions that his daughter, Jill, has just enrolled at Vanderbilt University. As soon as he gets out of the cab, I, I hit the button and I record that. And then at the end of every day, I take these recordings that I've made and I take that information from those recordings and I enter it into my database. <laughs> I'm taking a cab driver with a database. Right? So he gets me to the Marriott and he jumps out of his cab and he gets my 
suitcase out of the back, my luggage out of the back, and he he walks, he holds it, you know, like it like it was, uh, you know, a, a child, and he he walks the bag up and he hands it to the bellman there at the front of the hotel and says, "Presenting Mr. McCain." <laughs> I had never been presented before anywhere, right? And uh, he said, Mr. McCain, I realize that you will need a receipt for your business purposes. And someone brought you here. So I'm assuming someone has to return you. And I hope that's me. You can print out your receipt and reserve your return trip on my website, taxiterry.com. He's got web presence. It's, it's amazing, right? I, I just never, I, it just blew me away. So the next morning I get up and give my speech, right? Well, that's the biggest thing that's happened to me for a while. So I start my speech by saying, last night at the airport, this cab driver said, are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? And everybody that worked for IBM there went, Taxi Terry. <laughs> <laughs> He's their official driver. He sold them a service agreement. And so it, it made me think so many so many things, Laban. I mean, it, it it made me think, first of all, what an incredible experience that I had, right? From someone that didn't, in this time of Uber and everything else, somebody that found a way to make what they do stand out from the crowd. But in all, in other in aspect of what I thought about it is, you know, if, if somebody can get that level of connection and experience and service from a taxi driver, why should why shouldn't my clients expect that from me? Or whatever it is that if you're watching right now, why why shouldn't your customers expect it from you? And it gave me a new benchmark, a new bar to think of in terms of what we can do to connect with our customers and to serve our customers. Because, you know, he set an expectation, he exceeded it. He showed that he cared more about me, right? Showing me the weather. There's there's nothing in the job description of a cab driver, you know, that that, that says you got to inform him of the weather. But he tied it in with his community. Hope you go. There's a lot of it's a golf course area there in Jacksonville, and and you know, being so interested in what you're doing, he wants to record it to make sure he doesn't miss any. I mean, all of those are out of a sincere concern to help and to to connect, and it's just just absolutely amazing what we can do if we follow in our, our own respective businesses, the, the things that Taxi Terry did. It's such a powerful metaphor, Scott, and I'm really fascinated and curious to know, has there been any follow-up with Taxi Terry? Oh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you asking. So over the years, I've followed up, you know, because the bigger Uber got and you'd read about all the trouble that, that the cab drivers are having, I was worried. So I started telling that story in my speeches, right? And I, during that project I was doing with IBM, I probably rode with them 20, 25 times. But then when that project was over, I didn't have a reason to go back to that city for a while, so, even though I was telling the speech. So now I've, I've, I book a speech there and I'm going to go back and I call him. And this time, instead of Terry answering, a woman answers and she's very professional, very good. Uh, she sounds like a dispatcher, right? She's taking, and when I gave her my name, so I picked me up at the airport she said, your name's really familiar. Are you that guy that tells the story about Terry? I said, well, yeah, that's me. She said, great. I'll make sure that he is the driver who picks you up. So I get off the plane. I'm like, that's, and there he is. He's standing there with this new car. And are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? You know, and everything. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, in the States, in the States, it's different than Australia. In the States, often the passenger rides in the back seat and the cab driver in the front. 
And, and I like the Australian way of sitting in the front seat with the driver and talking to this. I'm, I'm in the front seat with him. And, and uh, I said, man, I really been worried about you. You know, there is everything. Okay. And he said, yeah, he said, when you rode with me, it was just my car and me, just, just a guy trying to keep food on the table and a roof over our heads. And I now own multiple cars with multiple drivers. I, I bought some vans. So we have own a shuttle service. And he said, you wrote in one of your books about the importance of a specific, meaningful goal. And he said, for me, it, it was a limousine. I wanted to have a stretch limo. And he said, I cut a picture of one out and I taped it to my mirror. So I'd see it every morning when I was shaving. And, and I, I, I used to sit for a moment in my taxi cab and I'd close my eyes and I would vividly imagine the smell of the new car interior of my new stretch limousine. And he said, I, I, I got it. And he showed me a picture and he said, the Clinton Global Initiative held a, 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 a worldwide meeting at the Ritz-Carlton here not too long ago. And he said they had to pick somebody to be former U.S. President Bill Clinton's driver for an entire week. And he said, who do you think they picked? And there in the picture is President Clinton and Taxi Terry. And I said one of the dumbest things, Laban, I ever said in my life, I said, Wow, what did you say to Bill Clinton? He said, What else would I say? You ready for the best limo ride of your life? <laughs> I'm like, of course. What else would he say? And I bet it was the best limo ride of Bill Clinton's life. So it, he's he's amazing and he's still doing well. And matter of fact, it's funny you, you mentioned that because uh, just, just last week I had a friend who was in Jacksonville and, and she'd heard the story so many times that she called him and you know, he he's waiting at the airport and she said, he really did say, are you ready for the best camera in your life? I said, yes, of course he did. I didn't make it up. You know? So, it, it, and again, there's somebody in the face of incredible competition, right? I mean, not just other cab companies. I mean, now it's so easy on your phone with Uber. He, 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 he found a way by creating distinction to not only make his business survive in the face of heavy new competition, but to thrive because he delivers something that they can't, that personal, caring connectivity and experience that we're all looking for. I really love that, Scott. And I, it's, uh, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. It's uh, this abundance mindset, this love and abundance thing. And I picked it up um, originally off Steve Seabold, who I'm, yeah. I'm guessing you heard of as well. And, and so along with his and some other um, amazing people that I've had the privilege of learning from. I try and go into every interaction with every single human being with what with the mindset, what value can I add this? And in the the year and a half or so that I've really concentrated this in, I can't explain to you the uh, amazing abundance that's sort of flown forth into my life, life changing, in fact. And and uh, and so now as a as a speaker, as an emerging speaker. Uh, this is the, the the information that I love to share with people. And I, I had the honor of presenting to a bank, my first corporate client the other day. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, here I am. And the subject is dino balls, right? And it, dino balls is a name affectionately given to me by some friends of mine in a mastermind group, uh, females actually, um, because of my courageousness in getting on some of these huge heavy yep. hitter names, yourself included, Scott. So oh, good, yeah. So we're talking about the importance of being brave and dino balls and leading with vulnerability and empathy. And 
And and I suppose this leads me to my next question. Your your father, who's since passed away, the wonderful Dallas McCain, who is a, <laughs> a wonderfully talented musician, from what I can tell, but also uh, a the owner of a grocery sh- uh, store that you had when you were growing up. And that's where you seem to get a lot of your insights for the the career path you've gone down now. You're so right. And I, I, gosh, I can't thank you enough for bringing it up. Uh, You know, my, my dad didn't have a college degree. He hadn't studied business, but he, he cared about people and that transcended transaction, right? When he put that first and you know, uh, your story, Laban reminds me of, of this as well. It, It, we, there, there's this old cliche, knowledge is power. And it's just, it's not true. It's not true. It is the application of knowledge that is power. You know, when, when I look at, at your background and your history and the addictions and the challenges that you've faced, you know, it, it's one thing to know what you're supposed to do, but it's another thing to actually apply it and to do it. And we had, you know, when I was a kid, a, a supermarket opened up in our community. We were the only little grocery store in town and, and this big competitor moved in. And, you know, one of the things dad said is they can always beat us on the price of a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread, but we can outserve the competition. We, we can care more. We can do more. And, and I look back now, you know, when you're a kid, it's, it's your dad, you know, I mean, you don't really often understand their wisdom until, you know, it, it's funny how much smarter our parents get the older we are. You know? And some of the things that I look back now, the, the things my dad did that um, I'm like, how in the world did he come up with that? But it was really rooted in what you're talking about. It was really rooted in trying to be of service first and creating an experience first, which leads to the business later. So many, so many, I mean, today, I, I I don't even, I didn't even count them, but today I had several, you know, people that wanted to, to connect with me on LinkedIn and you accept them and immediately they're trying to sell you something. And it's like, I will never buy from them because I think you lead with value or you lead with being of service first and, and then close the deal later. And we, we, we're missing that now. And so the application it, it, dad might not have known as much as the people that were leading the supermarket, but he applied what he knew in a way that made our little store survive and thrive to the point that, that the big box store closed and left town a few years later. It's a wonderful story. And, and reading about the huge line outside the funeral home oh, yeah. that just wrapped around the, the, the streets, you know, like a testament yeah. to the work that your father did. And clearly that's had a major impact on you as a, as a child. <laughs> Layman, I, I joked I could be elected president of the United States, and the headline in the local paper would be Dallas McCain's boy does good. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a, an incentive trip that I won to Tahiti in 2003 and the sales rollers, and and uh, and I was single at the time, and I and I took my father um, and. Uh, as you know, he's a retired radio announcer, but he was still sure. on the radio, and, and by the end of the trip. I was known as Rick's son. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like our dads were much alike, you know, with, with uh, your dad as a broadcaster. My my dad, every weekend, he and his brothers had a band, and, man, they played, you know, every 
wedding reception, every event, every, they, they were the band in, in that area, the country music band. And uh, just a larger than life personality that, that people were just attracted to. And, and uh, I, I just learned so much from that. I, I just learned so much from uh, dad was on stage as, as your dad was with broadcasting, but it's not enough to be on stage. You have to connect. And, and that that's the same in business. I mean, every business is like that. We need to be like that as people to put the connection before the transaction. Well, that, that connection is something that I feel like I've developed a real knack for Scott and, and it centers around the power of vulnerability. And as you've read, you know, I'm very public with my, with my demons, right? Yeah. And it's kind of part of my healing process and you're no stranger to adversity yourself. And I was, I want to touch on something, and I hope you don't mind me asking this. I know sure. your your first wife passed away a few years ago from ovarian cancer. Yeah. And my question is to you, the power of adversity, what are the what is one blessing that came out the other side of that that pretty tremendous ex, you know experience yeah. for you? Gosh, there there are so many, but but the first one um that really popped in my head when you were saying that. Um one night, not long before she uh, went back in the hospital and went into hospice, um, she looked at me. She said, "You know, I'm I've been thinking about it. I'm I'm so happy I had cancer." Well, you know that just floored me. I mean, I'm I'm are you kidding? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, to you to us to. And she said, "Yeah, but look, none of us are going to get out of this alive anyway." And she said, "I had the chance to say goodbye to everybody." I had a chance to talk to everybody. I had the chance to, you know, you, look, there's a million things I would love to tell her again, but there was nothing left unsaid. Now, if she would have, if I would have lost her in a plane crash or an automobile accident or some other, yeah, there would, there would be so much that's left unsaid. And what that taught me is none of us are guaranteed that we're going to make it through the day, you know? So if there is something important to be said or something important to do, get started, say it, do it. Because none of us are guaranteed what she considered to be a luxury, which was to, to be able to say the things that, that she wanted to and, and wanted not only wanted to say, but that other people wanted to hear, you know, to say to her. And that was one of the other great privileges of that was to be able to say and, and to have her friends tell her how much she meant to them uh, was just, I mean, in spite of the, the terrible situation, that certainly was a great, great blessing. Every day counts. Well, I thank you so much for sharing that, Scott. And, and uh, I suppose thinking about my own mortality and my own legacy uh, is something that's come to the forefront, particularly being involved in this industry. And I'm curious to know what you want your legacy legacy to be. Wow, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, that, that is such a great question because I think so many of us get so involved in in doing what's on our to-do list for today or, you know, uh, making, making things happen that we don't think about that. But I, I, I would hope, um, 
I would hope people would say he cared. You know, he, he gave a damn. He, he cared about other people and it wasn't just to get in their pocketbook. You know, I mean, uh, somebody that influenced my life was the late great Zig Ziglar, the, the author and motivational speaker. And, and, you know, Zig's famous line about um, you can have anything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want. I mean, that's, that's been a founding principle for me. Um, I, many, many, many years before, uh, before I, I was given a speech and, and Zig Ziglar was also on the program. And my wife and I checked, uh, Sherry, my first wife, and I checked in the hotel and there was a message at front desk. He said, uh, call Mr. Ziegler in room, you know, whatever it was. Well, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, a, a, a kid on the rugby field that the greatest player in Australia or, or New Zealand is, is saying, hey, you want to, you know, <laughs> you, you want to go get a drink? I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm blown away. I can't, you know, I can't. I'm, I'm nervous on the phone. He said, I just thought maybe you guys want to go out to dinner tonight. Are you kidding me? So Sherry and I went out to dinner with Zig Ziglar. And uh, he said, Scott, I, I looked and I couldn't find your book anywhere. I said, well, Zig, I, I haven't written a book. And he said, yeah, I know how that feels like because I haven't written a book either. Well, you know, we look at each other like we've got 10 on the shelf. Are you kidding me? You got more. He said, but every morning I get up. And I write two or three pages. And, you know, after about six months, they come along, they tell me, Zig, you got a book. And it was like the light bulb went on over my head. I had never written a book because it seemed so overwhelming. It seemed like that was just so much to write a book uh, that I never got started with it. But the next morning I got up and wrote three pages. And that was the beginning of my first book. Well, when Sherry passed away, um, it was, I don't know, a couple weeks later, I, I, I go to the mailbox and, and, there is a package that said Ziegler Corporation. I thought, well, isn't that nice? You know, somebody sent me a, a nice book from Zig. And I opened up the package, and there was an eight-page handwritten letter from Zig Ziegler talking about how much he remembered that night that we were out to dinner. And, and Zig and his wife had lost one of their children, but he was, he was writing about that. But then he also said, but I can't imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and the redhead wasn't next to me, you know, and it was just the most amazing thing. Well, so when Zig passed away, I, I just put a little video about that on YouTube. And I probably heard from 20 other people that he did that for. And someone was said, well, did that, does that make you, does that make it feel less special to know that he did it for a lot of people? I said, absolutely not. It makes me feel that he was more special than I even imagined. Because, you know, I've got friends that have been friends of mine for years, and all they did was just sign a sympathy card and put it in the mail. And here this incredible man sat down and poured his heart out on this letter. And it, it again, it, if there is a legacy, I mean, mine will be, you know, this much to Ziggs, this much. But, but I, would, I would hope it would be something similar, that he cared enough about people that he put people ahead of pocket. Well, Scott, this has been absolutely wonderful, and I'm keen to know if you'd like to finish on any any concluding thoughts. You know, the thing I would encourage anybody, uh, and it's something I keep reminding myself, right? I mean, the the thing I would encourage anybody is to think about the importance of differences. You know, 
a while you know, after Sherry passed away, one of one of the things that she wanted to make sure was that I didn't sit around and mope. You know, we had a chance to say everything, do anything. She wanted me to get back out. And, and so, you know, a while later, I get back out there and I meet this awesome woman named Tammy. And and it just worked out, you know. I, well, anyway, I, I, I think sometimes of the night I proposed, right? I did not get down on one knee, have that little box with a ring in it and say, honey, will you marry me? You're exactly like every other woman I've ever dated. (laughs) (laughs) We are attracted by our differences, not just our similarities. And so as, as we look at what we can do to create distinction, to become our own superhero, don't try to be like everybody else and don't surround yourself just with people like you. And don't try to make your business like everybody else's. Find the things that can make you distinctive because there is where the meaningful differentiation happens that attracts more people to do business with us, that attracts more people to want to be friends with us, that attracts people into relationships with us, whatever we desire. When we help them and and accept and appreciate and illuminate their differences as we do in our own, then then I think the world becomes a whole lot better for everybody. Where can we find you, Scott? <laughs> hey, man, I, I just want to hang out here. <laughs> uh, it's just scottmccain.com is the best thing to, to, to show you, you know, what, what I'm doing and, and, and all that. It's, it's spelled M-C-K-A-I-N. There's a little bit, a little bit unusual spelling, but uh, just scottmccain.com. And if there's any way I can be of service, obviously, I, I appreciate the, the privilege of doing well, if you have a look at the website, you will see that Scott is the epitome of doing what he says he's going to do and practicing what he preaches because that website is the best I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> so congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott McCain. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.